guys. Welcome back to The Screenwriting Life. I'm Meg LaFauve. And I'm Lorianne McKenna. And today we're going to be discussing a topic that we've often alluded to on the show, but only briefly discussed, scaffolding. Which is just my goofy term. <laughs> There's no dictionary reference to this or people in the business don't talk about it. But I, I thought of this term when I was talking to a friend who... You know, she was kind of looking forward and in the next five years or so, she was going to retire. And we just started talking about, well, what do you want to do in your retirement? And she was like, what? And I was like, well, you only have five years, so you got to start scaffolding to retirement. You don't want to retire and then wake up the next day and be like, what am I doing? Who am I? <laughs> What's my purpose? Um, and it was great because she was like, well, I actually think I want to act. I want to go back to acting. And I was like, great. So you have five years to start taking classes and meet your community and scaffold. So the day you retire, you're an actor, like you're moving into something else. So it was just a concept that I think applies to both the business side of this of this job uh, and scaffolding to your goals, as well as really it also applies to the actual work of writing. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, but before we dive in, we're going to talk about our week or what we like to call adventures in screenwriting. Lorian, how was your week? I think it was good. Uh, I am a bit frantic right now. Speaking of scaffolding, scaffolding is that I am struggling like every day to be organized. Like I'm, I feel like I have so many things going on, like little bits of things in all areas of my life that I can't really sink into a day right? Everything is like, oh, I'm have a meeting at two. I better get ready for that. Oh, and then I have a thing at four. I better get ready for that between at, when I end the meeting and it, that I'm not, I don't have enough space to like build anything. I just feel like I'm hopping from one piece of wet cement to the next. That's my building metaphor. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> um, and part of it is I have too many things going on. Uh, but most of it is that I, I haven't had the time or honestly the space, like the I'm really tired. I haven't had the space to sit down and write my lists, personal stuff, uh, self-care things, um, work things, and all the different varieties of work things and make my list and prioritize and then start scheduling things in a way that makes sense so that I have time between things to appropriately prepare. Uh, and which is a way I self-sabotage is that I, I, I don't allow myself enough time so that I will obviously fail and then fulfill my belief system that I'm not good enough to do this job. Right. right. So, um, it's something I'm working on uh, in therapy. Everybody knows I'm in therapy, but the day-to-day -day is really hard because it's that belief system that I keep cracking up against, which comes up in my work, which is why I overthink. I'm trying to come up with, um, uh, I new ideas and I'll go down a certain path. And then I start hearing all the critical voices I've heard people say about my work and it just crashes in and I, and I get frozen. So I'm trying to figure out how to make lists, how to be organized, how to prioritize, how to rest. Um, and I think what you're talking about scaffolding is so important because when I came to Hollywood, I sold a show, like the first show that I pitched with you, Meg, and I didn't scaffold shit. I didn't know how to write a pilot. I'm writing a pilot for a network <laughs> and it didn't go to series. And then I didn't know what to do or how to move forward. And I feel like I've been stuck in that place. I mean, now I, I've whatever paid yeah. my due, you know, I've moved through a lot of that stuff, but like, I didn't, I, the way it all worked out, it, I didn't get a chance to scaffold. So I always feel like I'm kind of playing catch up in a way. Yeah, um, And your scaffolding will change and the goals will change, but it's just, to be thoughtful about it, because I do think this business in particular will do it for you if you don't do it, right? It'll, <laughs> it'll, and probably every business, right? Like it'll use up your energy and tell you what the plan is for you. I mean, listen, some people are still working on the scaffolding and plan that their parents gave them versus what they want. So it's kind of, I think sometimes we don't scaffold or plan or think ahead or even name that goal specifically because we are afraid, well, what if we don't get it, right? And it's easier to stay in busy mode and catch up in survival. I'm the same, Lorian. Um, it's it's somehow easier. It, it's hard to do that, but it's it's psychologically easier because there's always an excuse to not. Right. You know, what do the, the Buddhists say? The highest form of laziness is busyness. 
Um, yeah, I'm very busy. I'm very so busy, busy, you guys. I'm so, so busy. busy. I just don't have time to put my heart's desire out even into my own brain and name it and uh, start scaffolding towards it. But it, you really you really need to because you could wake up and end up down a road that you didn't even realize that's where you were going to end up. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you didn't even you can look back now and see the scaffolding that you made. Uh, on the fly, but um, it's just something I want people to think about. Hey, Jeff, how was your week? You know, I am like intense writing right now, which is good because I feel like it's been a very long time since I've, it's like with this movie was great and it's been good for me, but it was all consuming. And like when I became a producer of the movie and post, I feel like I didn't have time to be writing and it just took a lot of focus and time. So I kind of was worried I didn't know how to write anymore. <laughs> and this is the first time I've sat down and like, I just had like a marathon writing session this weekend of just like, probably like the sixth draft of something I've been working on for a long time. Um, and I've, it's coming off of notes and you forget like what a roller coaster that can be of just like really being in it and sort of like that intense stretch of writing. Um, I think what can be hard is just like discovering something in act two as you're kind of like revomiting another draft and feeling all these ideas that you thought might work kind of crumble right in front of your eyes in real time. Um, but it's also okay because you feel like this, the kind of ping of excitement or optimism based on this other idea. And you start to see how those things that are crumbling can be rebuilt out of the ashes of the destruction of coming up with new things. But it is like, it's kind of a roller coaster and you're excited about this great idea and you get through a scene and it feels kind of good. And then you hit a dead end and you're like, well, shit. And you're like, maybe if I go back, but you're like, no, I must persist and keep going. So I have vomited out another draft in like, just like a nonstop four hour marathon or four day marathon of writing. And I kind of thought it was good. And I went back and read it this morning and I was like, uh oh, <laughs> but it's good. The, the magic, uh -huh. it's that funny. It's just such an emotional roller coaster sometimes. Um, but there's magic in there, and I feel like I'm getting to a point where I'm actually, I feel like I've kind of figured out a thematic, and there are stakes now, but I just have to start doing some more math. And it's like, arcs are resolving in the wrong places, and things are- Sounds aren't... like you need a card. I think I need that's a card. I, I think that's- need a card now and see it up on the wall, and be able to pitch it to me or Lorian, and then we'll go pop, 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 you know? <laughs> and then it, it'll fall down again, and then, it, but that sounds like carding to me, like you've brought up the clay you, you got the emotion you're understanding what this is about and who your characters are but now the math is is stymieing you so i would go to cards that's what i would suggest um yeah i was just at pixar um well first i want to say and i was looking at cards so it's in my head right um but um <laughs> so this is silly but this is my week basically i'm at pixar and i order lunch that is a dandelion salad with couscous and I'm like and I get it and I'm eating it and I'm like it's tater tot day what am I doing yeah I'll tell tots. you what I'm doing I'll tell you what I'm doing I'm trying to be a person who eats a dandelion salad with couscous <laughs> because I think that's what I'm supposed to be I think like I'm still doing this at my age. I'm still ordering because I want to be the person who eats a dandelion salad with couscous. And by the way, I may I say with respect to all of you dandelion eating salad people, like this is this bar I have in my head of what a healthy together adult eats. But what I actually want to eat is tater tots. Because it's my comfort food. Tots. <laughs> Always order the tots. You don't have to eat them all. Well, thank but God I, I was, am an all Thank tots. God it was there were table tater tots because people know that people don't order them, so they just buy them at the table and then <laughs> so that you can still have them. There's tot but, shame. A lot of tot shame going on. No, it's so every it's so not tot shame for everybody. I was shaming myself and then I was like, I just don't want a dandelion salad. Um which means I, it's a signal to me that I'm feeling tired or I'm feeling emotionally drained or I'm I'm needing a little comfort. So instead of not eating the tots, I can just be like, I'm going to eat the tots, but be aware. Oh, I, I'm in this place emotionally. So 
Um, I know that's so silly, but that is basically my week. <laughs> I, have... I kind of um, just like took a writer's retreat this weekend and I gave myself a bunch of snacks because I knew how hard it was going to be. It's like you need to, you're ravenous when your brain is so hot. So I think it's great, Meg. I think you need it to sustain. You need carbs. Your brain and your body need carbs. It's a fact. Yeah, it's just also emotional. There's nothing better than tater tot. I'm sorry. Um, Wait, I have one more thing to add for my week. Yeah, go. Tab Time was nominated for two NAACP awards, Outstanding uh, Children's Program and Outstanding Host, and it won both of them. Woohoo! So cool, Applause, applause, applause. Applause, applause, applause. Yes. Congratulations. It's this little YouTube show. That was up against, uh, you know, Disney shows and Netflix shows, which are all great. I've watched them all. So it was sort of very exciting to like shocking, shocking to sort of like, wow, that's awesome. So very, very proud of the show and 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 everyone who worked on it. So huge. That's huge. Congratulations, Lauren. Thank you. Well, let's move on to the topic at hand. Um, like I said, it, this is just somehow I think of it, and I had never actually really come up and seen it uh, or named it before. But when I look at my life, I've been doing it my whole life, um, scaffolding my whole life, and always kind of looking forward and saying, "I want to go that direction. What do I need to get there?" Um, and uh, so, like I said, there's two areas of, that we can talk about this one is in the career and the business scaffolding and the other is actually down in the storytelling so I guess we can start with the career the business um you know I just think a lot of emerging writers and I you know I think I was one and I know a lot of people who were in this mindset there's this kind of fairy tale idea that you're going to write a script everyone will want it and then they'll all want you they're going to pay you a million dollars they're going to let you direct it or produce it so that you can have creative control, you're going to become famous, and then you're going to have the power to do whatever you want happily ever after. Right? And I know that you all know that's a fairy tale. <laughs> ha ha ha. But, but we all still kind of believe that's the case somewhere. It's like the drug that we've all taken, the Kool-Aid we've all drunk. That's our version and, of optimism. Of hope. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> I just want I also think it's easier to believe that will happen, that you're going to sit at the lunch counter and be picked out to be the next great thing, because um, Hollywood's kind of built on that fantasy. Right. Um, or the other fantasy people have is that, well, when I get an agent, they'll do all the scaffolding. They'll decide who I am, what I'm good at, and they will build the scaffold and make me um you know, happily ever after. And I am not saying that agents don't do some of that, but really, no, you pretty much have to direct them and tell them what you want and who you are and what your dreams are and start scaffolding yourself and use them as part of your scaffold, an essential, important part of your scaffold, no doubt. But they aren't the ones who are going to build the scaffolding for you. Um, They are, they're going to help. But it it really is uh, something that you have to do on your own. And I just recommend that the way to build scaffold is consciously with awareness, not to the side in a panic. So to do that, you need to have a goal first in this business. I um, Sometimes when I do my seminar, I call it a beacon, right? So think of it like a light out on the water. I don't care how far away that light is. First, dream big, right? Just dream big. So I uh, have taken this advice of yours to heart, like very early on when we started working together, um, you were like, what's your beacon? I picked a beacon and you were like, great, write down the steps to get there. And I did. And I emailed myself these emails about what I'm looking for. I want. And what I realized, I think a month ago was that I have created way too big of a beacon Mm. that is so unattainable that I have no idea what the steps are, but I like to say it for shock value, but like, it doesn't mean anything to me anymore. Like at the time when I came up with it, like I'm building an empire. That's what I said my beacon is, but like, that's a pretty big one. It's a big one. And it's also too big because I have so many other, like, what does that even mean? It's too big. It doesn't mean anything. Like it's not a specific goal. It's a dream. It's not, it's not a goal. It's a dream. Have your dreams, but what's the goal? I already have an empire, right. In terms of what I find comfort in, which is 
community and people who love and respect me and who I can be myself with. Like that's my version of an empire. I'm just not making any money from it. Right. So what I realize is that I have to figure out, I, and I, I think, and I'll ask you this, Meg, I have many beacons, right? I have different ideas of different things I want to do. And then it's like, how can I pare those down and then get rid of the stuff that doesn't help me on my path? Yeah, because and listen, uh, there's no one way, no right way. I want everyone to do whatever, whatever works for them. I do think having multiple beacons, though, can start to dilute the energy flow. And in a weird way, the universe is like, what do you want? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> where, where the energy is banging all over the place. That doesn't mean if you're I'm making this up, if your beacon is to run a certain kind of TV show and I would name what kind, what's the genre, like I would get as specific as possible. Um, that doesn't mean you're not going to like go off and do preschool or do whatever. I'm not you. There is no straight line anywhere in this process. Um, but you're learning so much by creating and running a preschool show that you will use if that was your beacon later. So it's absolutely part of the scaffolding. It's absolutely on the path. Um, I always want to pick a beacon that is very specific. Like I picked a beacon to work at Pixar and I had taken a tour and seen that brain trust room. And that was my goal was that room. I wanted to get in that room. My goal was not to win an Academy Award. My goal was not to make money. Those things are relatively, you know, not soulful, right? And that's outside of you and you kind of have no control over it, right? But what I have control over is I want to get in that room and I'm picking a beacon to be in that room that is so exciting and yet slightly terrifies me right? Because it will push me to be in a brain trust room at Pixar is not, it's amazing and not the easiest thing you're ever going to do. So I, I don't think that beacons for in what the context I'm talking about it are not um, dreams or we're happily ever after. It's actually what, where do you want to be as an artist at what level and what do you want to be doing that will kind of fill you up you know, it's, it's, it's giving you energy because it's so where you need to be. And yet, but it's, it's a, it's a push for you to actually do that. Right. For me right now, if it's running a TV show, I've never run a TV show. That would be a push for me. Right. I have a lot of skills that I can bring to that, but that would be a push. So I think the beacon, it's not your dreams. It's very specifically and find a way to find an image for yourself to see yourself, where are you in that beacon? Are you standing on a set? Are you in a writer's room? Like, where are you? Um, and so if you have multiple ones, you know, again, there's no right or wrong. I would pick a priority. Like this is the priority beacon. This is the center beacon. This is the one that scares me the most, but I want the most. Like, which one do you want the most, right? And then the other beacons, you might find out, actually line up behind it. Like, they're actually steps along the way or they're tools that you need to get there. Um, does that resonate at all, Lorian, that you oh, could yeah, pick totally. one? Oh, yeah, totally. I'm just uh, sitting here thinking, you know, what are the answers as you're talking? Like, what do I feel? What is that soulful artist place? And I'm so clouded with panic about real life stuff, <laughs> potential oh, yeah. writer strike, um, uh, you know, my health insurance, like, how do I pick that? Right. I have agents reading me right now. I'm, and I, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to, if I'm going to have meetings with agents, they're going to ask this question. What do you they want? They're going to ask this question. Where, where do you want to be? And like, given my background and my experience, there's going to be a ramp. And is there someone who's going to want to go up that ramp with me? And so it's like, how do I communicate that in a clear, confident, meaningful way but still be available for other work that comes up because I have all these other things. You know what I mean? Like what you're saying. Well, yeah. Like if you're going in to meet with an agent, they're going to want to know the beacon because that's where you want to go. Right. But you are so smart because you also have to be realistic that they are, they need to make money off of you. Mm -hmm. That's why, I mean, let's get real. That's what this mm -hmm. is about too on their side, completely fair. So like when I went out years ago, mm -hmm. I, I was a producer and I, started writing and I finally had my samples together again, three to five year process to get those samples together. Um, and I started meeting agents and a having your beacon very clear is so good because it tells you if what they, how they see you, 
right? Because your their response to that is going to be really illuminating. Um, but I also I I also knew that the ramp for me was I was a producer. Like, who are you? I'm not. I'm and I was an older female at that time. I'm not a 20 year old hotshot coming out of out of uh, winning something at Sundance. I'm I'm an older person. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'm an older person. And here's why that is going to be a plus. I'll tell you why, because I have contacts, I have maturity. You can send me into any room in this industry and you're, I'm going to do well because I've been in a lot of rooms. And so I took what they, what somebody could have seen as a problem or a negative or what the ramp is. And I tried to see it and show them why this was going to be helpful to them. So is there a way to see this? You show them the strengths of, of those, uh, of that ramp, um, and again, if you have the samples, they'll believe it, right? It might be a ramp, but if I can read this and like, yes, you can do it. I can read it. I just read it. They'll believe it because they read it. So um, if you're, if you don't have a sample, it's harder because now you're asking them to take you on and not know if you can do it, right? Um, and think about it. It's their reputation too. So um <clears throat> Yeah. And the money thing and the real life thing is very real. And it's why I use the word scaffolding, because you're building it over time. It's not like, you know, a lot of emerging writers, especially young people come out and they take these intense jobs because it's getting them in the industry. At that, there's pluses and minuses to that, right? There's pluses because you are in the industry and you're starting to make contacts, but you have no time to write. Right. So again, either of those choices are good, depending on what scaffolding you're building. Right. Like I could have easily scaffold when I first came here, I worked at an assistant at ICM. I could have immediately started scaffolding to their goal, which is everybody in this building wants to be an agent. And all of the tools around me are to build that scaffolding. And it took a lot of awareness to be like, wait a minute, <laughs> why am I staying here till 10 o'clock at night? If I wanted to be an agent, that would be great scaffolding to build, but I don't. So I need to go home because I need to be doing something else. So it's just having that awareness of what you're building and the money thing is real. What if you're an emerging writer and you're young and you're coming out here, what kind of job can you get where you can meet people, but you also have time to work towards what you want? Um, and of course, Lorian, once we have kids, and health insurance need that's it's it is a it is a harder thing for sure for sure but i don't know like part of me is like the way i think about it is cuz i'm having this issue too because when you work an animation you don't get coverage for healthcare so i suddenly am in a kind of like oh my god my healthcare is going to run out i got to get a job well you know what i do it needs to be a job i think i can write and be successful at cuz i don't want my reputation to go down so it has to be the right job right but it's real. It's real. Um, so if I take a job that I can do well, what is the scaffolding there? Well, I, my name is still out in the in the business, right? I they everybody knows I'm still around writing, right? I get my health care, but at the same time, I better be bubbling a little pot of what I want to do. Do you know? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's 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 a layered thing. The scaffolding is that word because it's layering. Up and you're maybe putting a pole in, and that's all it is. But that's okay. You got to stick the poles in to put the to put the um the the, the platforms on. And my my this this I know metaphor the construction is, metaphor is killing us. It's um, killing me. But I, I don't know. Think, it works in my brain because yeah. when I think of throwing seeds, I get overwhelmed <laughs> by that <laughs> metaphor. Because you're like, who are the bees? Where do well, the bees just, come in? And there's just too many, and have them die. And have, but it right, is right, right. right. I do it's, think one thing you brought up earlier is important, you know, or twice, right? You, you scaffolding to your parent, what your parents wants are for you, or, you know, scaffolding to everyone in the building. And it's that core of um, not letting anyone else tell you who you are, which means you know who you are and what you want. And I can be very clear about what I want to do, what my beacon is, but also be very clear about here are the pr practical aspects based on my experience about other things that I need to do as well. And I can communicate that to an agent or anyone without being confusing because who I am is a writer who wants to do certain things, but I'm also a mother and I need my health insurance. And I, you know, I have, I have 
and it, I think I can communicate it without diluting who I am as a writer. Cause I am who I am. Like Brene Brown says, right? I'm not going to negotiate who I am with anyone else anymore. No. And often what an agent or the town needs to know is who you are in terms of, I do think when you're just starting and emerging, it is good to pick a pony and pick a genre and they know how to sell you. But they're also going to, at the same time, be selling a certain angle or aspect of you and your craft and who you are as a writer, i.e. this, yes, this is a thriller writer and the scares are unique. And and you've never seen anything like the, the the plotting is going to twist and turn or this is a thriller writer. And what she can do really well is you just care so much about and there it's so emotional and it's like normal people meets, you know, a thriller or whatever. Like, you know, there is a skill set <clears throat> that you're going to have as a writer that they're also going to sell you on that defies genre. It defies form. It might be in a preschool show. It might be. On a in a TV show, it might be in a movie, it might be in a t- in a video game, right? That skill set as a storyteller will travel. That's really good for anybody to know in terms of, and if you don't know it right now, you don't have to know it. Maybe yeah. you're just start writing samples and discovering it. But eventually, I want that to come up into your consciousness, so you kind of know and can own what you do well. Um, I think I'm very emotional right now talking about this because I have neglected this part of the conversation about what's going on because I've been so in the moment, so frantic, so panicked, so worried about the writer strike, so worried about health insurance, especially for my daughter, like so much of that, that I have forgotten to figure out what I have to say and how, what, when I say it, it's unique, right? Why someone wants to work with me and and I'm sure I'm great in meetings still, like that's not a problem. It's that the the core of it, I've lost the thread. I really feel like it because I'm doing that thing where, you know, when I used to work at Pixar, people were like, oh, I want to work at Pixar. I'll sweep the floors. I'll clean the toilets. And it's like, well, Pixar doesn't want that. Pixar wants to know that you know who you are and what you can bring to the table to help elevate the whole studio and the products, right? So I've forgotten that I'm not just scrambling around trying to sweep the floors. Yes. And, and so and, this and is it, a good reminder. That energy is yeah. real and, and it's a real thing. Like I, every writer doesn't matter how, where you are in the trajectory. Sometimes you're like, fuck, I got to sweep the floor. Um, also, I do I have to very... go sweep the floor. The kitchen is a mess. Because <laughs> <laughs> here's the dangerous thing that I think you have to be careful as a writer too, or maybe any creative. You never want to take or and I've done this in the past. And it's if you take a project just to get the money or the health insurance, but you're not actually emotionally connected to it. Oh, first of all, hardest job you're ever going to take because yep. been down that just, path. You are just faking it out of your ass. And mm-hmm. when those waves come and it gets hard, which it's gonna because it's creativity and all the voices are coming because now it's a job and you got a producer and you got an exec and you're trying to you got your what are you standing on? What are you standing on? Because in the end, you have no wet control cement. over. You're standing yes. in wet cement. How about that for the construction yeah, metaphor? Let's just go back to the construction. <laughs> um, you're standing in a hole is what you're standing in. And um, what happens is people around you are trying to sonar into you. And and you're, as a writer, especially if you're starting the draft, they're, you're in a way leading, right? And you have to be passionate about it. And, you know, as as you and I learned, Lorian, it's better to take the job because you're passionate about it. And then if they move on and they want to change it and they want mm-hmm. something different, and right, okay. Yep. Like I'd rather lose based on what I was passionate about than God help you win on something that you don't even yeah. like very much or has nothing to do with you. So again, that's just another piece of thinking about where you want to go, who you are, what you do well, you know, which can be a selling tool um, so that you don't... Sh- show up later, you know, five years from now, I'm like, fuck, I don't even want to be doing this. And by the way, when you take those jobs, they usually aren't very good. So now you're actually damaging your reputation. And right? you get noted to death. Like I I took one and I got, I had to do like four revisions on something. And it was like, because I never clicked into it in a way that I could defend the work. So I just got noted and was like, oh, okay, maybe that's the answer. Okay, maybe that's the answer. Because I didn't, oh my God. I didn't even know what the Ring question was. Maybe right? that's like, the answer. I've so been there. And you're like, oh, that's just hellacious. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's then, the answer. Maybe and then I was like, I got to be done. Go find someone who can, who cares? Like, I, I can't, you know, 
I didn't say that. Of course, that's not what I said. No, of course. Go find someone who cares. Of course. (laughs) I was thinking about this and we, one of the greatest things I've learned from both of you is that like a protagonist who's clear about their wants or at least communicates their wants makes the read so much more clear and visible. And we've all read features where we don't know what the protagonist wants and it's a nebulous confusion stew. And I'm like thinking about when you don't, as a protagonist of your own career, if you don't tell your agents in act one what you want, they're going to read your screenplay of your life and your career and be in the nebulous stew that we've all experienced while we're reading. So I just think like that's been such a valuable lesson for me on the page and it's so easily transferable to our career, you know? 100%, 100%. You are your own uh, hero. So what do you want? And it's okay yeah. to say it. And I understand a lot of emerging writers right now are probably like giving me the middle finger because like, what am I supposed to do? What is the scaffolding, especially for features? TV is a little easier because there is a ladder in television. Um, and maybe some TV writers right now are saying not that much anymore, but there is. I mean, you 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 can get on a show, you can write your samples, but it, it it's always starts with the samples. And I know a lot of people are seeing contests as their scaffolding, which it, I think it's a piece potentially of the scaffolding, but it ain't the whole scaffold, guys. Contests are not. Um, and, and be careful of that. Um, so I would say it's all about the samples. It's all about building community so that you are getting good feedback um, and access to have people read it, right? Because what you're trying to do is get it to the people who are in the business, right? So having those samples ready to go and making contacts in terms of community, it really is, that is the the base of the scaffold for features anyways. Um, And I know that's, people want it to go faster. (laughs) Don't we all? But it does just take some time to build those samples. So practically speaking, I get asked this question. I'm sure we all do. Um, You're a new emerging writer. You've got your samples. You don't have a manager. You don't have an agent. You know a few people, some friends, maybe a mentor. There's this leap that has to happen, right? And I get asked this, how do you do that? What is the scaffolding? And scaffolding, my answer is always like, keep meeting people, putting yourself out there, asking questions, being curious, watching shows like the scat. So it's like, I can see people like, what is this? What do you do? Right. You've got like, you can enter contests, you can meet people, go to film festivals. This is all that is true. And this is going to be an answer that people are not going to (laughs) like, but if you're, I, I, I worked in an agency in the assistant chair, which means I read so much. I just can't even tell you how much you read. And then I was an executive and I read so much and I heard phone pitches, i.e., will you take this script and read it? Let me tell you about it. And the agent has to pitch it on the phone that you're like, yes, no, maybe. Right. And when you sit in that chair, which I sat in for 10 years, I am looking for something that jumps out. It jumps out because it's thematically emotionally about something or because it's doing something with the genre or probably, hopefully both in the job that I was in. It had to do both. It had to be about something that I could go and talk to Jody about and tell her emotionally what this is about. But it also had to ha- have something cool like, oh, my God, I have to read that. What I want to know what that story is um, because so really, when you look at your samples, yes, they have to do all the craft. They have to do um, all of the baseline stuff, right? But where's your sample that feels different, unique, that somebody might talk about, right? If you were the person having to you know, sell your movie to the, in the theaters, how would you get the audience to come? I, I do, again, you never create from that. That's not the reason to start But once you've got the sample and it's gone through its paces and it's been written 15 times and you know what it is and you're getting great feedback, you know, you just have to think about what you're writing, you know, um, too, in terms of will it get above that fray, right? Above that noise. Um, I remember somebody on the Facebook page was talking about a World War II script that she had. And, you know, that's just, that's tough. That's tough. I'm not saying it's not a great script. I'm not saying it's not going to get made. Look at the woman who made All Quiet's on the Western Front. You should always have your passion projects that are going to take 10 years. But those aren't necessarily the ones that are going to get you into the business 
and into the soup, right? They're the ones that are going to take you 10 years um, or more. Uh, you know, and I, I know that's a hard thing to say, right? But, you know, I wrote a spec pilot about a guy who keeps a girl in a box under his bed. And when I say that, people are like, what? Tell me more. What is that about? And I can emotionally tell you thematically what that's about and wh who the other characters are and how they're all traveling in their own um, figurative boxes and where the, it, and, and suddenly they're like, okay, I want to read that. Like, I don't know what the hell that is, right? Like, um, so it, that is a big part of just to think about for you as a writer. Um, I don't know, how does that sound when I say that? Like, Jeff, does that make you want to puke or do you feel like that's true or- I, th I think it's incredibly true. I mean, I think like it's that question of like, why are you the only person that could write this? And I know that's a really hard question to ask and it can be paralyzing, but I don't know. I feel like as writers, our, our superpower and sometimes the only thing we have is like that unique soul that's only yours. And it's like, no one else has that. So even if you feel like maybe you're lacking in craft or have a lot to learn, like your own experience it is the one thing that's completely original and only yours that truly no one else on the planet has. And really right now in the business, that is what they're looking for. You know, 20 years ago, maybe not. They were maybe doing more cookie cutter stuff. But right now, boy, that is what they want. Um, so really yeah, lean into that. Um, it's a great way to, to say what I'm trying to say, Jeff. And yes. that stuff is the lava. I mean, my Spec pilot is about a woman whose husband gets early onset Parkinson's and she's in a battle between being his caretaker and figuring out who the hell she is. It's an impossible choice and one that I've lived. So it's, you know, it's not sexy and it is a comedy, I promise, but it is, you know, it's from my unique point of view. Point. Wow. I'm really good with words today. I think I need to go to bed earlier. I read this article that apparently <laughs> if you go to bed at 10 o'clock, you get more heavy duty REM sleep. So, and I read that at one o'clock in the morning when I was refusing to go to bed. So yes, I was like, rest, oh, okay. <laughs> rest and rejuvenation has to be part of your scaffolding people. Anyway, it I'm not saying that my script has never been written before that, like that idea of being a caretaker, but my point of view about it has never and making been it a comedy, before. right? And it's and, a comedy. And if yeah. it's a comedy, or if you're doing something like my new favorite show, thank you, Lauren, for telling me to watch it. The, the other two, gas, oh, I love that show. It Can't also wait is, you get to season it's two. Also hysterical, so like funny. So if you're say I'm a comedy writer, is it hysterical? <laughs> like people will pass scripts around. They will. They absolutely will. And um. And isn't that how the blacklist got started? Like, mm -hmm. I think so. People were reading features and then passing it around. And it was like, how many people read it and voted? Well, because for these that. assistants, the assistants are reading scripts, right? Oh, uh, okay. At every, at the agencies, at managers, at produ producers, with, at yeah. the studios. And so they have developed, they have lunches together. Like literally sometimes I would go out as an assistant with 10 other assistants and you're just talking about what you read that you liked. And so- it, it, it is a thing that can happen um, and needs to happen. You need to be talked about. You just do. And uh, that's it's always going to start with the work. It's always going to start with the work. We can also talk about um, scaffolding creatively in terms of there is scaffolding happening. There is structure happening in your project. And Jeff, I thought you had a, a um, you had a thought about that. Well, it's funny. I think because I'm on like draft six of this script that I've been working on forever, um, I feel like I'm finally getting to a point. First of all, this is like the most marathon session of writing I've had for a while. And when you're really in it, it is, I'm going to switch metaphors real quick and talk about like building a statue and sculpting instead. And right, go for it. it does kind of feel like you build a really shitty version of the statue of David and it has three arms and two heads on your first draft. And then like on your next draft, maybe one of the heads falls off and all the limbs fall off and you build new arms. But like one of the arms from your first draft might kind of stick on David. And it's like with each draft, it's a new statue and certain limbs and heads might come and it becomes the Franken draft. But I do think like the way we talk about writing is so physical and is so structural, right? We use words like backbone and structure and scaffolding. And I think like concentrated windows of writing really remind you that as much as it's creative and emotional and voicey, it is incredibly physical and structural and puzzle oriented. So 
It's I'm, it is well, and just to just to go back to the building metaphor. Let's go back to know, the building. Every yeah. sculpture has an armature underneath it, right? And often when you start your early drafts, they all kind of Franken things, and there's no armature under there, and you're just digging up the clay half the time. And there's then you didn't even realize there were three arms, and then you didn't even realize, oh shit, I didn't want to do David, I want to do something else. That's all part of it. But at some point. You've got like, that's why I'm telling you to go back to cards. You need to start building your armature now. You need to right. start saying the most simple armature. Who is the main character? What do they want? What is in conflict to their want? How do I believe what they believe? What is their context right in act one that I believe what they believe? And how are you flipping it and inspiring and opening it up into insight at the end of act two? Like, what is the genre? Where are your genre points? Uh, you know, all of those basic, basic questions, which I think we posted on the Facebook page at one point. Mm -hmm. um that's the armature underneath i was just when i was at a picture pixar i had the great opportunity to go into development and talk to some of the directors up there working on their stuff and look at their cards and just start asking those armature questions right um and it, it helps to obviously it helps have somebody else do it with you but um yeah that that's there is and sometimes the scaffolding for me beyond just that armature of the creativity um, because you're going to have 15 drafts, like they themselves can be, can be the, the scaffolding to your idea. Like yeah. people put so much pressure on those early drafts and I'm like, just make it clear. What are you doing? So you get the right notes to that draft, right? Like you got a lot of drafts to go. Just they, they are going to scaffold you to the layered draft subtle draft whatever it is your judgment words on it um just please start writing um and I, the other thing i want to say oh about the craft i really believe this so much uh now as a older writer um it's about relationships man it's about relationships that's why you're going to the movies and uh i can tell you every pixar movie from the relationships a rat who wants to cook meets a chef who can't cook, right? Uh, even Incredibles. Yes, it's about the marriage, but it's about that family. And I can tell you all about that family and how they're handling not being able to access their greatest skills and wants, right? It, it Tell me the story from the relationships and that is the scaffolding under, that is the armature underneath. What relationships do I care about? What relationships am I following um, and care so deeply about as they're going through your story? Um, that that is also why people will pass it around, right? Because they just fall in love with the characters and the relationships and they care so much about them um, and what happens to that relationship. Um, so just another thought of of what's underneath there to to, to think about. Because we can, it's funny, right, Lauren? Because like in our lives, we get so busy and we get so like, oh my God, I do this, we got to do this, we got to that we don't have time to pull back 30,000 foot feet as Andrew Stanton says and think about well what do I even want this and right do I really really want it does my ego want it or does my soul want it and what is my beacon is that still my beacon right. it's the same in your script you can get so into the weeds about making stuff work and the craft and this character's one note and um oh my gosh this scene is I've seen it a hundred times and and you know that you can forget what's the relationship of this movie who do I care about Right. Like it's right. It's so an, uh, it's such a it's such a process um, and the, and that everybody does it. And it's a process for everybody. So I think in terms of like practical advice steps. So I've talked about on the show, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago or a while ago. I'm tired of not planning trips or doing things because I'm worried about work or this or that. So I booked I was like, I'm going to Paris and I bought airplane tickets. That was the first thing on the scaffolding of me going to Paris. I'm going to Paris. I bought tickets. I've waited way too long to book a place to stay. I just did it. I leave in a month. Right. But like yeah. now I have to, now I have to, my daughter, we've realized my daughter's passport is expired. We have to go get her a new passport in the next month. We like, what are all the things we have to pack? We have to prepare for traveling with type one diabetes. We have to like, and you know, even the apartment that we booked, it has to have two, a, a one bedroom. Like, I imagine we're the kind of family that can all stay in one hotel room together, but my husband snores so loud, it's impossible. <laughs> so like, we we have to, you know, have a one bedroom. So it's like, 
what really needs to happen. So there's like the fantasy version of the script, the fantasy version of the career, the fantasy version of going to Paris, but I'm not going to stay at the George Schlank in a suite, right? So like practically, what can I afford? Where can we stay that's central, you know, sort of servicing everybody's needs and then taking those steps. I want to go on a chocolate tasting tour. I want to have lunch in the Eiffel Tower. Can I afford those things, right? What's the priority? So just like when you're looking at your career. So yes, I'm meeting with agents. I have a manager. Is that a necessary step on my path to being where I want to be? No. Is it a helpful step? Possibly if I find the right person, right? Yeah. Like getting repped is not necessarily the uh, hurdle you have to cross in order to go to the next step. So make sure that like, like I think a lot of emerging writers believe that as well. I have to get a manager, an agent in, in order to go to the next stage. And no, you're continuing to build a scaffolding with relationships and writing while you might also be meeting with reps. And I think that's why we even started this podcast is we're trying to help you with your scaffolding. We're trying to help you think through it and get insights and improve your craft. It's why we started the Facebook group. Um, it's why we started our Patreon, right? To give you more and more tools to have insight into your craft and meet each other, right? Um, creating community for you to help you start to try to get access because there are wonderful people out there like like Joey Tuccio uh, who is doing more practical things of actually getting you in like trying to get help you get in the business mm -hmm. but boy you guys you got to be ready for that you got to have your samples you got to know who you are got to know what you want you need to have your community right because then you're going to walk in to the it, it's 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 a it can be a chopper, right? Um, it also can be wonderful and amazing and fantastic and dreams come true. Um, so we're kind of on the the front end of that, trying to help you build your own scaffolding um, so that when the door opens and you go in, you're ready, right? Like saying my friend, like just to go to the beginning of the show, when my friend retires, I want her to go right into what she wanted to do and loves, not start then, right? Yeah, you're planning a trip. Yeah. Think about it like you're planning a trip. <laughs> What's your Paris, right? Yeah. What is yeah. that? And what do you need to do? Obviously, my daughter needs a passport, right? Yeah. So like- And you should list you know, it out. What would you need to get yes, there? And some of it might yeah. be, I don't know. Okay, well, that's the first step. You got to find mm -hmm. out. How could you mm -hmm. find out? You're listening to this show. You're meeting people. Um, and, it, you know, it, don't I don't think of it as something that's like, oh, I have to do that. No, it's exciting. It's your dream. It's this. It's the path. Lay down the stones. To your to to your goal, um, to yourself, to your actualization, to your manifestation, and what you were going to give back to the world by doing that, um, you know, it's not selfish to have a want. The universe needs you to have a want so that it can take you out into the world and 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 be part of the community, uh, uh, and get your stories out there. So um, I say that especially to the ladies. Um, so I guess are we have we wrapped it up? I think any any yeah. other thoughts? So I would uh -huh. love to read some reviews from our wonderful listeners. Oh, if that's okay right. with you all. Okay. Um, as you all know, on Apple, Pod we're a missional show. Meg just mentioned it. Part of the reason we put the show together was because, like, when I first moved out here, I would have loved a Meg and a Lorian to tell me to start scaffolding earlier, right? But it's totally fine. There's no wrong time to start, but. Um, Part of the way to help others find out about the show and pass around the podcast, if you will, is by writing a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. So um, we love when we get these reviews. And just to sort of shout out some of our listeners on air, I'd love to read some now. This first one comes from Mary Miss 1992 who says, A great listen when you're feeling alone as a writer. Lorian and Meg are pros to be sure, and this pod is chock full of nuts and bolts insight on everything from formatting to story math and cracking theme and finding the personal lava in each story. But what's refreshing about the pod is that the hosts understand the physical sitting at your desk part of writing is only one piece. I've come to deeply appreciate their musings on daily habits, the mental game of being a writer, and the importance of fostering a community, which this podcast ultimately becomes. I'm grateful for this podcast and referred many writer friends from novelists to poets. So... Thank you. Thank That's you so much. So, so well written. So well written. So nice. So great. Amazing. Yeah. I'm going to read one more. And this one comes from Wise Guy here who says, to my top five podcasts, I tried nearly every screenwriting podcast. And this one shares the top spot with that other podcast with John and Craig. Of course, friend of the show, John August. I think John might listen. So if you're listening, hi, John. Uh, Megan, Lorian, and their guests are so helpful with practical advice and comforting to those of us who 
of us typing away in lonely isolation. Their genuine caring and empathy comes across in every episode. It's really wonderful. Another well-written review. Thank you so much. So great. And what I'll say, we're at 670 reviews right now. And I keep speaking of scaffolding and beacons. I really think that by July 31st of this year, we can get to 800 reviews. I really think we can do it. And here's what I'll say. I'm going to get a little peek behind the curtain. Our podcast has been growing, which is great. But our reviews are not growing at the same rate the podcast is. So I know there's some listeners out there. Even if you're a new listener, maybe you haven't written that review yet. It really is super helpful for us. So I hope I'm not being gross and pushy. But we love you guys. And we just want to we want to share the love. We with you, have you know? over 5,000 members in the Facebook group. So hey, TSL Facebook group members, come on. Write those reviews. Yeah, come on. And if and you again, aren't a Facebook, Facebook member, join the Facebook and you'll see what an amazing community is over there. And Meg and I are often over there answering questions and admitting things about our own process. So join the group, <laughs> post a review. It's very And people helpful. are asking questions over there that we're, you know, we're answering. And um, yeah, if, if, you know, we're not doing this to make money, we don't make any money on this gig, but uh, it's, it's really what we can't get a, a better we want to get a reach to people who who need to know the shows out there and the reviews really help us all right so thanks so much everyone for listening join that group write a review do it and remember we do also have the patreon workshops to check out um we recorded q a that was you know those q a's are always illuminating for Lorian and i too we have so much fun uh, learning about each other and about for you guys and learning about you and what your questions are and where you are um, and what you need. Um, and we've got a virtual story workshop coming up on March 14th. Um, you know, people really get a lot out of it. Um, because it's not like we're not grading you on your pitching. We're you're literally telling us what's your story, where are you, where are you having trouble? And we're gonna kind of do what I was talking about, kind of take you through the this the 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 armature and 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 what is this, where it and and help you get over that hurdle. And but if you and people are learning for their own, even if they're not the one pitching, so it's a great thing to to and listen. I learn to. a lot too, like reminders, like oh right, that has to be in the thing I'm writing, right? Exactly. So it's always so, really helpful. Uh, so thank you, everyone. Thank you so much to uh, our producers Jeff and Savannah, and our hardworking intern Jason. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And remember, you are not alone, and keep writing. 